0: Hello, and welcome to The Simple Classroom Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Sutherland, and I firmly believe that teaching doesn't have to be complicated. So I started The Simple Classroom Podcast to provide simple solutions for your everyday teaching life. And today, we are talking about how to cope with the Sunday scaries as a teacher. So let's get started. Can we all agree that sunday scaries are the absolute worst it almost feels like an entire day of your weekend was robbed from you because you know that creeping sense of dread will start to set in kind of midday or late afternoon on sunday and it will just rise in intensity the later that it gets until you feel almost an utter sense of dread about the week ahead of you it's the worst and i spent the first three years of my teaching career absolutely dreading the week ahead of me. And every time without fail, I would get into the week and I would go, okay, I got this. This isn't so bad. But every Sunday I'd start over with just this feeling of anxiety about how hard the week ahead of me was going to be, how tired it was going to make me, all of the unknown things that could be thrown at me between kids and admin and the school and parents that I couldn't prepare for because I didn't know what they were going to be yet. And all the things that I knew I should be prepared for that I wasn't sure if I'd prepared for them the best that I could, like my lesson plans and maybe an observation and maybe a meeting. So between all of that, I spent every single Sunday night into my drive to school on Monday morning feeling anxious and unsettled and like, I really didn't know why I was doing this with my life if it made me so upset every week. And then I stopped having Sunday scaries. Now, when I say that, I don't mean that I wake up every Sunday morning and go, Yay, work tomorrow. I get to say goodbye to my own children and leave them and wake up super early and pack lunches and rush to school to teach children and come home feeling completely exhausted. I can't wait. That's really not what I mean. What I mean is I don't feel a creeping sense of dread about my life choices settle in on Sundays anymore. I might feel a little bit of, Oh, I've got a meeting. Or, oh, my observation is this week. Because it is. Both are true, actually. I have a very, very long IEP meeting for two hours, first thing Monday morning, that I know is going to be really intense. And then I have an obs- my first formal observation on Tuesday. So when I say that I... Or I said they're both on Tuesday. And it's true. I have... it's This is Labor Day weekend, so I don't have school on Monday. But then on Tuesday when we come back, I have a very long very intense two-hour IEP meeting for one of my students. And then on Wednesday, I have my first formal observation. So I'm, I'm truly not going to bed Monday night of this weekend and going, oh, yes, cannot wait. It's not what I'm doing. But I don't feel anxious or dread or intense stress about those things. I might feel a little nagging like, oh, boo, Wish I didn't have to do those things, but that is not the same thing as what I was feeling when I regularly had Sunday scaries. So today I want to talk with you guys about my top three ways to quiet the Sunday scaries, get them to just shut up and leave you alone because that's what we want. We all want to enjoy the last little bit of our weekend without feeling this anxiety or unease about the week ahead of us. So let's talk about my top three tips Tip number one is to pinpoint and name the anxiety. Okay, Chances are good that when you think about the week ahead, you can name exactly what you're anxious about. Maybe it's that you have to turn your lesson plans into somebody and they critique them every week. That was my situation, my first year of teaching. Our literacy coach required that our lesson plans for the week, for the entire week, be done and turned into her first thing on Monday mornings. This gave me so much stress because she wouldn't just take them and file them away. She'd read over them. She'd write questions on them of like – This isn't specific enough, or I don't know if this is rigorous enough, or how are you going to assess this? And she'd give them back to us, and she'd want us to revise our lesson plans. I get the thought behind it. I get that it was to strengthen our planning process and make us really think about what we were putting on paper and what we were going in to do with our kids, but golly, the stress. I don't have to do that now, thankfully, but at the beginning of my career, I did. And it was like one more thing on my checklist every single weekend, I wanted to make sure that she had them by Monday morning. I wanted to eliminate as much revision as I could, so I felt like I was way overdoing it with these plans. So maybe you have a situation like that, There's something you have to have turned in every Monday morning that just makes you feel like, oh, it's just one more thing. Maybe you got a meeting coming up this week. Maybe there's a parent or a student dynamic that's not going well, that is just making you feel a general sense of unease. Um, Maybe there's a coworker that you're not clicking with yet this year, and you feel like when you come to work, you don't really have any friends, you don't have anyone to talk to, and it's just making you feel not super excited about the week ahead. Whatever it is, start by naming it. What is the thing or the series of things that when you think about the week ahead, if you're feeling this sense of this like pit in your stomach feeling, name all of the things that there are that are bothering you. And the reason that I suggest that you start by doing this is because it will separate the stressful things from the things that you actually like about your job, because even first year teachers, if you are a first year teacher listening to this, even first year teachers have moments in their day where they love their job because you're with the kids alone in the room and there are times where the kids make you laugh or there are times when you make the kids laugh or there are times when a light bulb moment happens you have moments in your week where you're like oh i love this job this is why i became a teacher but there are things happening in your teaching life that are detracting from what you love about your job and adding more stress to your plate name those things and separate them so that you don't start telling yourself the false, false language of I hate my job. I'm not good at it. There's nothing about about it that I like. Because when you let the stressful hard parts take over your mind, that's what you'll start to say. You'll start to say that there's nothing good left. There's only bad because your vision is so clouded by the two or three stressful things that you can't look past them to see the good things. So name those things and separate them from the rest of your job. After you've named them, List out what would need to happen for these things to not feel so stressful anymore. If it's a meeting that you're going into or an observation and you feel a little unprepared for it and it's been giving you a lot of anxiety over the weekend, ask whoever is going to be leading that meeting or that observation what you could do to best prepare for it. If it's a meeting and you really feel like you're going in blind, is there some specific data collection you could do before you go in or things you could pull to have on hand to make sure that you're prepared? If it's an observation, have you looked over your state rubric? Has your principal shared with you their personal expectations for what they want to see and what they're going to be looking for? Feel free to ask. There's nothing wrong with asking. This living in the unknown can create a lot more anxiety than just flat out asking, hey, What's gonna be most important to you when you come in? Because if I can just narrow it down to a couple of things, rather than looking at this long rubric and feeling like I have to do everything equally well, I would rather just shorten the list, know what's most important to you, and go from there. My principal, for example, these early observations, like mine is September 6th this year, that's really early for a formal observation. She has been really transparent with us that the main thing she wants to see is structure routines and management yes she's going to be looking at our lesson plan through the vantage of our state rubric but It's going to be much more alarming to her if our classrooms are chaos in September and there's no evidence of teaching the students routines and no management of the class than if we've just got chaos, but we've checked off every box on the rubric for questioning and problem solving, right? She's much more concerned at this point in the year in just making sure that our classroom community is off on the right foot, She wants to see a lot of evidence of that. She's willing to bend some scores or make some scores a little fluffier because she doesn't expect that you're going to be able to go super deep with these lessons in September. But if your management is out of control, that's going to give her a lot of pause. So by her being transparent about that, that gives me all kinds of peace of mind around my observation. I know what my principal cares about most right now. I can focus on that primarily and let the other pieces of my lesson fall into place, right? Um, If your stressor is something like you've got to have your lesson plans done and turned in, how can you break your planning into bite-sized chunks throughout the week so you don't spend your whole weekend doing it at once, which is what I once upon a time did and what a miserable way to live, right? to finish up the work, be completely exhausted, then spend all weekend preparing for the next week, and then just rinse and repeat. So, so hard. Make a plan, break things into small doable steps, and then cut the big scary stressor down into its rightful place, which is small and tiny and not something that's worthy of having control over you. If the thing that's stressing you out is a relationship, whether that's with a coworker or a parent or a student, I do want you to just keep the mindset of, You can only control yourself, right? And just letting go of the responsibility of having to make other people feel happy with you all of the time can help a lot. Um, There's plenty that you could be doing to put your best foot forward with relationship building. But if you attempt to do that for a while and the other person is not receptive of it, no matter who that person is, it is not worth your time to get get sick to your stomach over it every single weekend. Sometimes you just have to say, you know what? It is not my problem if they are not my best friend. It might actually be a blessing in disguise, right? And I wish that someone would have told me that when I was a first-year teacher because I was teaching on a team of only two people. I was teaching fourth grade. We were departmentalized. I was the reading teacher. She was the math teacher. And we were the only two fourth-grade teachers in the entire building because it was a very small, rural school. And so I was the only fourth-grade ELA teacher in the whole building. She was the only fourth grade math teacher in the whole building and we only had each other. We shared these kids and we only had each other, but we weren't planning together, but we would talk about behaviors and relationships with the kids and things like that. We shared the kids, but she would sometimes be a little domineering and a little bossy and a little dismissive of my ideas and I would get so stressed about if I did something and she came over to my room and said, hey, you're not supposed to do it like that, I would just feel just so upset about it and go, well, I don't—I didn't know that. I'm a first-year teacher. No one told me that I wasn't supposed to do it like that. And she would say things like, well, you should have known. And we just didn't get off on the right foot. <laughs> and eventually, eventually in my teaching career, not that year, I eventually learned that it's not my job to make everybody be my biggest fan. And in all honesty, the thing that brought that teacher around to bean. A fan of me because we get along fine now was just I just did my job. I put my head down and I was like, you know what? I'm not here to suck up to anybody. I'm just going to do my job. I'm going to teach the kids to the best of my ability. And that will eventually be the thing that stands out about me. And it did. It worked. Right. My data was good. The kids liked me. The parents liked me. The principal liked me because I was showing up and doing my job, not because I was showing up and I was stressed about a bunch of social dynamics with my kids or their families or my coworkers. I just wanted to teach. And when I just focused on the teaching and I let the other stuff go as just not my job, it did help. All right. Tip number two, block off Sunday afternoons and evenings for things that you love. So if you start feeling that same creeping sense of dread around the same time every single weekend, go ahead and actively make a plan to do things to take your mind off of it. Fill those blocks of time with things that you love to do. And not because I want you to be escapist about it and avoid your feelings and bury them behind like a fun brunch, but because often the things that we're stressing about on the weekend are things we have no business stressing about. Right. If you've written your lesson plans and you're prepared for the week ahead and you know what you're teaching Monday, sitting around and just feeling that that just like pit in your stomach feeling about, oh, but what if this and what if that and what if it doesn't go the way that I wanted it to? It doesn't serve you well at all. It doesn't serve your students well at all because you spend the whole day feeling anxious about your day and not resting. And we see a lot of language online and a lot of lectures online from people about, you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to take care of yourself to be able to take care of your students. And as true as that is, I think that the thing people fail to mention is that that does not happen on accident. Like filling your own cup is something that you have to on purpose say, there are things I could be doing for my classroom right now or for my school, but I don't have to. The things that I have to do are already done. The things that I could be doing don't have to be done right now. And I haven't done anything for myself all weekend. Or I haven't done anything for myself today. Or I haven't done anything for myself in the past three hours. Like there's no time limit on the weekend when you're outside of your contracted hours. There's no limit to how often you can do things for yourself. You are not obligated to do anything for the school. If you're prepared for the week ahead, let that be enough. Don't sit there and go, oh, but I said I was going to grade all of these things. You can grade some stuff during the work week. I've got a whole blog post about that and a whole podcast episode about it, I believe. I can link both in the show notes all about grading rhythms that protect your time so you're not taking things home to grade on the weekend, right? So if it doesn't get done this weekend and it didn't have to get done this weekend, it'll be fine. It will either get done later when it becomes a have-to Or it won't get done at all because it was never that important. And both are fine. So if you are not on purpose scheduling time to do things that you love, you will not get to them. You will let the could-dos take over your life, and then you will never be completely working on things that you love for yourself, right? Okay, and tip number three, which is my very, very favorite, is to try to work one week ahead and hear me out this is not an easy thing to do okay it's the most effective thing for taking Sunday scaries and just shoving them out of your life. It really is to be able to walk out the door on Fridays and go, my copies are done. My centers are prepped and laid out. My small groups are planned. My whole group lessons are planned. The plans are on the computer. The classroom is clean. The pencils are sharpened. The job cards are swapped out. Like if you can walk out on Friday and you know, you've done all those things, you truly can take the weekend off. Like, mentally and physically, both are important because even if you don't plan to do any physical work on the weekends, but you sit around and think about it and worry about it, you're not really taking the time off, right? The best way to do that is to know that you got everything done ahead of time. But I am not by any stretch of the imagination telling you that that's easy to do. Um, so my number one tip for this is to make an entire list of all of the things that you need to do on Monday morning, the things that you need to do before the week is over to prepare for next week. Typically, they're the same tasks over and over again, right? Plans need to be written, copies need to be made, lesson materials need to be prepped, small group books need to be pulled, math games need to be copied, whatever it is, make a list, okay? And then assign the items on that list to different days. So you're only doing a couple of them a day. You're not trying to sit down on Fridays and go, oh my gosh, I have so much to do for next week. I'm going to have to do it this week and I'll never get ahead because you won't. You've got to really start on Monday. I have a podcast episode about this and I have a free email mini course All about how to take every single weekend off as a teacher with suggested schedules, checklists, and plans that you can follow to make sure that you have every weekend off as a teacher by following these simple steps and routines during your week to get everything done for the next week ahead of time. I also have a few different blog posts that I'll link in the show notes about grading hacks, teaching rhythms, centers that last for a whole month, ideas like that to take some of that work off of your plate week to week and make it something that you don't have to think about all of the time. All right. And tip number three is my favorite because I believe it is the most effective, but I'm not going to lie to you. It's also the hardest. That is start working one week ahead. If you just started your school year a couple weeks ago, you are like, uh, not ready for that yet. I am still living day-to-day, and I get it, I get it. When you're living day-to-day, it's very hard to start living one week ahead of time. You can get there, it just won't be easy. But I want you to imagine. Imagine walking out of your classroom on Friday afternoon, and your copies for Monday through Friday of the next week are done and they're sorted into drawers or baskets. So you know that all the lessons that you're gonna teach and the copies you need for them are ready to just grab and go. Imagine that your small group plans are written, your texts that you're going to use are already pulled, Imagine that your centers that your kids are gonna do around the room are already prepped and laid out and ready for them for the week. Imagine that the papers that you wanted to have graded are already done and entered in the grade book. Your classroom is clean, your pencils are sharpened, your newsletter has been emailed out to your families, and you walk out of your classroom Friday afternoon at your contracted time and you go, I'm done. For this whole weekend, I'm done. I can take the weekend off, not just physically, but also mentally and emotionally, which are equally as important, right? You can be physically doing something else, but your mind can be focused on school. So you don't actually feel relaxed when you're done with that thing. So I found that the most effective way to put Sunday Scaries in their place, like which is completely out of your life, is the right place for them, is to be done with next week before next week even gets here. So you can take the weekend off. But I am not telling you that that's an easy thing to do. It was not easy for me. It took me a good three years. And I think that it could have been done a lot faster if I'd had someone telling me what to do and how. I had to figure it out for myself. But the real catalyst for me was my fourth year in i had a baby so at the end of my third year i started going i am spending too much time on stuff like there are things i'm doing every single week that i could probably start batching or i could probably start outsourcing to a parent volunteer or i could probably start skipping altogether. and i just i'm just now starting to see what those things are if i'd had somebody in my ear going hey this is how you could do this faster, or this is how you could cut minutes off of that task every day, so it took you a fraction of the time. I would have figured it out a lot faster than I did, but once I had a baby, I started getting really serious about it, about, okay, I'm not taking this stuff home anymore. It's either the baby or the job, and I choose the baby, right? The baby's way more important. So I started getting serious about simplifying things that were overcomplicated, cutting things that were unnecessary and really drilling down the essentials of the things that mattered, like my actual instruction to make sure that my kids were getting the best instruction that they could at school while my kids at home were getting the best mom that they could. And so in honor of that idea, I have a brand new free, completely free email series for you about five steps to take every single week. To make sure that you have the weekend off every single weekend so you can sign up for that in my show notes and when you sign up you will get the first email in the series which is all about how to get prepared for next week on monday morning and making your to-do list you will get free templates of my to-do list you will get a sample schedule of how i break up my weekly tasks because guys when i walk out on friday like i walked out on friday knowing that I wasn't coming back until Tuesday because it was Labor Day weekend. And I had everything done. And that didn't happen on week one of school. This is week four, and I finally got there. So I'm not saying that it happens immediately, but it was something that I had in the back of my mind from the first day of the year until now, that that was the goal. And I was giving myself some grace if I had to grade something on the weekend on the second week of school. I was giving myself some grace if I had some things that I needed to do um, in the evenings that I had to bring home, but that the ultimate goal was as quickly as possible, I was not going to bring anything home because I'm a mom of three now with a fourth kid on the way. I'm not bringing a bunch of stuff home. I can't. If I can't fit it into the confines of my contract today, it's time to start asking some hard questions about do I really have to do it? And if I really, really have to do it and I can't fit it, then it's time to start asking some hard questions about what am I making time for during the work week that could be cut down? And if it gets to the point where I can't fit it all, then it's time to start asking some hard questions of my coaches and my admin about why are all of these things mandated and we're not given the time to do it. So in this free webinar series through email, you will get all of my tips, my schedules, my planning hacks so that you can start working smarter, not harder, and working one week ahead every Monday morning so you can start taking every weekend off. So look in the show notes for the sign up link. I hope that I gave you some inspiration on getting rid of those Sunday scaries and knowing that the things that you are stressed about are just one aspect of your job. They are not your whole job and they do not have to take over your life. And I hope you guys have a great week teaching and I will talk to you next week.